0: Every moment, every place is the place of Jesus the Christ. Our sermon series right now is is titled Soul School. And we are going to talk about things that a soul needs, uh, things that a soul can learn during difficult times, uh, and in between liminal spaces, things a soul can take on. Our scripture passage is the very end of John gospel, the 21st chapter. We're going to talk about acceptance today. So this is John chapter 21 beginning with verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. The second time he said to him, Simon son of John, do you love me? but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. I want to ask you to think of someone that you love. Think of someone that you love without question. Someone that you would say to me, Dinah, you know that I love them. It's a no-brainer. When you think of this person, do you have to try really hard to love them? Is there a lot of effort on your part that goes into loving them? Do you consider your love for them an achievement? I'm guessing the answer is no. There's no forcing the will to love Love is not an achievement. It's a receiving, a receiving of some gift of relationship. I believe that this passage in John's gospel has been too often misread, misinterpreted as Jesus demanding that Peter just try harder, do better. You love me, Peter, then feed my sheep, prove it. But I'm convinced that Jesus is not pushing Peter to try harder. Peter's already walked that route and it continually tripped him up. This is instead Jesus's invitation to Peter and to us to really live. My daughter Alice is a freshman in college and her stats professor said to the class on Thursday, I know that many of you are having a rough time right now. Some of you are sick. A few of you have even had a loved one die of coronavirus. So I'm going to give you the option not to take the final. You can instead use your highest previous test grade in place of the final. Well, Alice has a 100 on a previous test. And so she immediately said to me, Mom, I love my stats professor. I'm going to write his review right now on Rate My Professor Five Stars. Something similar and deeper is going on between Peter and Jesus. Of course, Peter loves Jesus, but here Peter finally understands how much Jesus loves him, even endorses him. Peter, I think, is finally receiving. The pastors right now are teaching an online course on John Wesley on Tuesday evenings. As United Methodists, we claim Wesley as the founder of our church. He was an Anglican priest, born and raised in a Christian household in the 1700s by a devout mother and a pastor father. When he was almost 35 years old, he had an experience that he wrote about. He said it changed his life. It changed his faith. It is often referred to as the Aldersgate experience because it happened on Aldersgate Street in London. Wesley was in a study of Romans, the New Testament letter, and one person in the study was describing the change that God works in the heart through faith in Christ. Wesley wrote that he felt his heart strangely warmed. He finally did trust in Christ and Christ alone. In his study on Wesley, Pastor Adam Hamilton wrote, At Aldersgate, it's as if Wesley finally accepted his acceptance. A soul needs acceptance. Wesley knew it. Peter knew it. I know it. Because of Jesus the Christ, acceptance is offered to every one of us. The trick, I believe, is in accepting our acceptance. In the conversation between Jesus and Peter at the end of John's gospel, acceptance is made clear. Three times Jesus reminds Peter of the love where Peter can rest. Jesus asks him, do you love me? And Peter says, you know that I do, three times. Then the resurrected Christ invites Peter to do as he does. That is to be a good shepherd. That's who Jesus is, a good shepherd tending to the sheep, feeding the sheep. And this invitation has no limits for Peter. Jesus makes it clear that any restrictions that Peter could imagine, any restrictions that he has previously experienced have been lifted. He can now follow Jesus to the end. And church tradition is that Peter does just that. He stays a while in Jerusalem and then he moves to Rome where Followers of the way are being persecuted. He leaves the city of Rome to escape, but on the road he receives a vision of the Christ where he returns, and it is there that he dies a martyr. Chapter 21 of John's gospel has this really strong connection to chapter 13 of the same gospel. There are simply too many threads, too many specific words in the two scenes for there not to be a correlation Things like God's glory and the concept of love and the number three, the three denials of Peter that are predicted in chapter 13, they do happen, and they are redeemed in chapter 21 by three statements of love, three statements of acceptance and endorsement. In chapter 13, beginning with verse 31, at the end of the Last Supper, Peter makes this really pretentious boast in front of the other disciples Jesus, I, I will lay down my life for you or I love you more than any of these. So when the resurrected Christ begins in chapter 21 with Peter, do you love me more than these? I think he's smiling. I think they both are. It's an inside joke that the reader is in on too. It's here that Peter gets permission, even an endorsement to lay down his own life He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus where he was going, but he couldn't. It was too much. Jesus knew that it would be. But now, now Peter can follow Jesus as far as he desires, as far as he longs, even to the end. Chapter 13 is also where we get this new command from Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. There is, I believe, a love that can only be revealed in relationship. And by the end of the gospel, we see this love. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. It's a redeeming love. It is a love that accepts everything and everyone, a love that goes all the way. Bishop Desmond Tutu wrote, What a tremendous relief it should be to discover that we don't need to prove ourselves to God. We don't have to do anything at all to be accepted. That is what Jesus came to say. You don't have to earn God's love. It's not a matter of human achievement. You exist because God loves you already. You and I exist. The very breath inside of us is there because God loves us already. We are accepted. I believe that it's true. But do we practice this truth? Do we live it out? Thomas Bandy is a well-known church consultant. And this week, I read his thoughts on what's happening among us during this pandemic. He wrote, It seems that there is a new spirit of forgiveness and acceptance in the air. Phrases like, we're all in this together and we're here for you are commonly used. And people are reconnecting. They're reconnecting with friends from afar and relatives they haven't seen in a while and neighbors that they didn't know they're connecting with. There is a spirit of acceptance in the air. However, later in the article, he cautioned, the top reason that people continuously give to not participate in a church it's too judgmental. People don't want to be told what to think or what to do. He said the churches that will thrive in the new world will consider outreach first. They will take their sacredness outside. The trick will be extending acceptance to others, feeding the sheep, and living in every moment, in every place, as though we are accepted, taking risks, going where we do not wish to go, to unknown places, and following Jesus all the way. I love a book called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg where he writes about the things that he learned from theologian Dallas Willard, in the opening of the book, he simply states, God's acceptance is stronger than human rejection. It has to be true. I know it's true. I've lived it. It truly is the key to thriving in difficult times, the key to really living in liminal space, God's acceptance is stronger than any rejection. We must find ways to lean into this acceptance and to extend it to other people. When I started writing this sermon this week, I believed that my topic would be forgiveness. It's the way I've always heard the scripture passage preached, that this is a story about forgiveness. But what I've come to learn this week is that forgiveness at its very core has acceptance. Acceptance is foundational to forgiveness, as well as the death of unrealistic expectations and the promise of new life to follow Jesus all the way. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, Your great love for us is first. We seek to rest in your acceptance. Would you remind us that we are enough and help us to share this good news? May other people come to learn of their enoughness by how we treat them. We ask this in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. We are now going to celebrate an agape feast. And so I hope that you have in front of you a candle, a Bible, a glass of water, a piece of bread, or a cracker. God is with us.
1: We are not alone.
0: Christ is with us.
1: The risen one has met us, blessed and fed us on the road that leads us home.
0: The community of the Holy Spirit is with us. We gather with the communion of the saints in light throughout history and with God's people around the world. With brothers and sisters absent in body but united in the spirit, we pray. Holy One, Trinity of grace and power, maker and mother, beloved and lover, father and friend, thanks be to you, O God. You are ever the Father who gives us bread, not stones. You are the mother who never forgets we're her own. From the beginning of life to the closing of time, you are the one who is with us to the end. And so with all who breathe on earth and all who sing in heaven, we praise your name and we join creation's song. You are the one. The earth is your handmade work. The skies you laid them wide, beauty unfurled. Horizon to horizon, creation to creation sings your name. In the eighth chapter of John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life.
1: Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. You are our risen Lord in whom light has conquered darkness.
0: Sit silently in the light. Feel the power and presence of the risen Christ. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life.
1: Here in our hands is the story of God's covenant of steadfast love with God's people. We are assured of your words present at all times and places, even in the midst of fear difficulty
0: absorb the stories of God's love and grace that can sustain you will sustain you wherever you are from the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John on the last day the climax of the festival Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds anyone who is thirsty may come to me anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare Rivers of living water will flow from his heart.
1: Without water, there can be no life. In creation, the Spirit of God hovered over the water and brought forth light. God brought John to the Jordan River to call us to repentance. We were nourished in the water of the womb. We were baptized by water and the Spirit into God's family. Water reminds us of the gifts of creation that God has so abundantly given us, and of the love and grace we have all received.
0: Drink the water. Know that God's love is flowing into your body and into your soul right now. In the sixth chapter of John's gospel, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty.
1: Christ broke bread and fed the multitudes. Christ broke bread and formed a new covenant with his closest friends and with all who break bread in remembrance of him. Christ was made known to his disciples in the breaking of the bread. Bread reminds us that just like individual grains of wheat are gathered together to make a single loaf, we who are scattered are one in the body of Christ.
0: Break and eat the piece of bread you are holding. Remember the times that you have received bread in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Remember those who gathered with you. Remember the presence of the Christ. Be assured that Christ is with you in every moment of your life. Sit silently and allow Christ's love to surround you. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, you are light of the world. You speak to us words of life. Call forth in us rivers of living water. Feed our deepest hunger. In trying times, in times of loneliness or confusion, in times where we feel most alone, remind us that we are never alone, for you are with us always. Hear us now and pray for us in our weakness with sighs too deep for words as we lift up those that we love, those present with us and those from whom we are separated, and the sick and the suffering, those who care for the sick, both medical caregivers and families who wait and watch with them. We lift up this day those who mourn the loss of loved ones, the loss of freedom, the loss of security, the loss of a livelihood, the loss of a sense of order and control. And we lift up the lonely, the isolated, and those who long for a loving touch. God of compassion, hear our prayers. Fill us with your grace and inspire us to be instruments of mercy and hope. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
1: May we be for the world the body of Christ, broken and shared to be a blessing for all. May God bless us and keep us. May God's face shine upon us and be gracious to us. In these days of anxiety and uncertainty, may we go forth in Christ's name into all of our interactions as a people of hope. Amen.